Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. It's NBA Draft Week. We're going to keep talking about my Locked on Wolves big board today with player number 20 plus more D'Angelo Russell trade talk. It's still out there. This is the week of the draft. If something's going to happen, it could be this week. We're going to talk D'Lo. We're going to talk draft and ESPN's future NBA power rankings. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Monday, everybody, and happy NBA Draft Week. A ton to talk about today related to the draft, potential trades, all that is upcoming. First of all, a big thank you for making Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the program is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, as well as the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, the NBA draft is this Thursday night. We've got, uh, counting this episode, four episodes before the draft. Uh, a bit of housekeeping related to that. The Locked On NBA uh, feed will have a live draft show on Thursday night. Each host will be on the show along with the Odyssey experts and the Locked On experts. Uh, and so, assuming the Wolves pick at 19 or wherever they end up picking, I'll be on the show live as well. And then later Thursday night, we'll do a live uh, podcast following the draft. Uh, and obviously the Wolves have four selections, one first rounder, three second rounders going into the draft. We'll do a live show following the draft Thursday night. And then that will be Friday's episode as well. So lots upcoming this week. We still got to finish out my big board though. So we're actually going to get to that here in just a second. Uh, first, I want to start with a bit, a bit more D'Angelo Russell trade talk. It's been a couple of weeks since I've addressed the possibility of D'Lo being traded. That was kind of the hot button topic, I guess, six weeks ago now going into the, the quote unquote off season, even though we're you know, right, right from the finals, the playoffs, right into the draft and then into uh, free agency and summer league and, and all that. Um, but the D'Angelo Russell trade talk is kind of the, the national storyline regarding the Wolves, right? Uh, the Wolves aren't likely to make any other major moves. They've already got their two stars and Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, and they have their, maybe their third piece moving forward in Jaden McDaniels. They've got the 19th pick in this year's draft, three second rounders. So they're not expected to be major movers and shakers on Thursday night, but they could be. So D'Angelo Russell's kind of the national storyline and, and there's intrigue there, right? There was a report about a week ago that the Wolves were actively shopping him. Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer reported that. We know that the Wolves are open to moving him. There's a new Regime. Tim Connolly now running the front office was, of course, not the person who acquired D'Angelo Russell a little over two years ago. Uh, that person, incidentally, is Gerson Rosas, who's now in an official full-time capacity in the New York Knicks front office. On the show a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the Knicks as a possibility trading for him. For D'Angelo Russell, I talked about the LA Clippers, among other teams. My favorite trade partner for D'Angelo Russell happens to be the LA Clippers. And there's a national analyst who agrees with that assessment. There's an article that came out this weekend um, at Bleacher Report called Five Bold Predictions for 2022 NBA Offseason. And that's Zach Buckley, who does a very good job at Bleacher Report. Uh, there's a few different uh, bold predictions here. Uh, and one of them is that the Clippers would acquire D'Angelo Russell. I talked about the Clippers as a possibility because of the assets they have and the fact that they need a point guard. Um, but I, I ultimately concluded, this is maybe three weeks ago now on the show, that the Clippers would not get D'Lo 
because first of all, to add another high usage guy to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who should both be healthy next year. I mean, D'Lo needs the ball in his hands a fair amount, right? So does Kawhi Leonard, so does Paul George. All those guys would initiate offense. That's a lot of ball to go around. The other thing is, um, that's kind of a challenge trade, right? You're talking the two teams that played each other in the play-in round, the seven and eight seeds going into the playoffs this year, making a trade in the Western Conference, both teams shooting for top five seeds in the West next year. The Wolves, no doubt, think they could be a four or five seed. The Clippers, when fully healthy, should be able to get to that level in the West. And if that's the case, that's kind of a, a really gutsy trade uh, for the Clippers and the Timberwolves to be making. I, I would call that a challenge trade. If the Wolves are trading a max contract guy to a team that already has two max contract guys in PG-13 and Kawhi, and the Timberwolves getting back, you know, I'll talk in a second what I think they could get back from the Clippers, but that would be a really intriguing sort of challenge trade. You're talking about a true rivalry. Last year, the the, the Clippers and Wolves going at it, the Patrick Beverly thing, uh, you know, following the game when, when Pat Bev was crying and the Timberwolves were celebrating the way that they were. D'Lo say the Wolves decide they don't want him effectively, which is what that would be saying. They trade him to the Clippers. That's a true middle of the Western Conference, you know, teams trying to climb to the top of the Western Conference rivalry that that could form there. Um, so all that to say, there, there isn't really any potential return mentioned here in this in this blurb as part of this article by Zach Buckley at Bleacher Report. He just talks about how he could be a shot creator. Uh, he's another scorer. They don't really have anybody besides Kawhi and, and Paul George that 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 does that consistently for them. And so he does feel that I actually don't think he's a perfect fit with that team in terms of the roster. Of course, he just has the one year in the 31 plus million left on the max deal. He's eligible for an extension. I think this would be, I'd be surprised again. I would be surprised if the Clippers did this, but I want to bring it back up because if it's being mentioned nationally, uh, I'm not the only one that's thinking about this. I would love that if I'm a Timberwolves fan and I'll tell you why the easiest return for the Wolves would would be Robert Covington and Luke Kennard, both players that would fit an absolute need, absolute needs for Minnesota and would fit the Timberwolves roster and rotation. The Wolves could somehow pull off a D-low trade and get back Robert Covington and Luke Kennard. And by the way, the two for one there, Covington and Kennard for D-low, that works from a money perspective. I mean, perhaps there's a pick there, a couple of picks involved. I don't know exactly how that would work. I mean, maybe the Wolves have to send a second rounder with D-low to get Covington and Kennard. Um, but... Robert Covington could slide right into essentially the Torian Prince role in the rotation. He'd play more minutes than Prince did consistently last year, but he would be that four that could play some, you know, small ball five in a pinch, but play some three, guard multiple positions, really two through four, um, be a switchable, very good team defender. He's a better defender than Torian Prince, certainly as a team defender. Um, you could argue whether, you know, who's better one-on-one -on -one at this point in Rocco's career. Uh, but but Covington is a has a little more range on his jumper, would require the nice thing about Prince was that he could operate some offense. He could score in isolation a little bit off the bench. It's not really what you want ever, but he could do it. Rocco doesn't really do that. He's more of a, a cutter and a spot up shooter, but what he would add defensively would be important for the Wolves rotation. And I think he's a better player in, in a vacuum than Torian Prince and probably would fit the Wolves better as well. Luke Kennard would fit kind of that combo guard type role, essentially be a, a much lower usage, lower minutes, version of D'Angelo Russell, right? He's not a point guard, really, and D'Lo isn't either. Kennard's more of a shooting guard with decent size, limited defensively, um, but he's a really good shooter and can score in bunches at times, and the Wolves could add that right into their rotation. You'd go into the season with Patrick Beverly, Jordan McLaughlin, and, and you know insert either draft pick or free agent guard here as your point. Kennard can operate some offense, but be more of a movement shooter on the perimeter for the team. Um, probably coming off the bench, given that you have Anthony Edwards um, and uh, 
you know, the, the rest of the starting lineup would still be intact. Uh, but perhaps you start Pat Bev at point and Kennard at the two. You know, Beverly obviously started at the two last year. So you start Kennard and Beverly together in the backcourt and you allow Anthony Edwards to run the majority of the offensive sets. That could work. And Kennard adds the shooting. He adds a little bit of that offensive punch that you otherwise don't have, especially losing D'Lo. And now you've essentially swapped, I mean, not essentially, you would have swapped D'Lo and Prince, who's a free agent, not part of this trade, but a free agent. Russell and Prince are out. Covington and Kennard are in. And you could argue that the roster got a little bit better. Covington's got another year on his deal after this one. Kennard has two more years. And you've allowed yourself, uh, your roster simply deeper. Um, and there's still some flexibility there. You could still trade Malik Beasley. You could still trade, you know, any number of uh, of the fringe rotation type guys on the roster, a Jalen Noel type. There'd still be some trade value um, as well. So the, now the Clippers don't have any any first round picks. Essentially, they have a couple of pick swaps with the Thunder, but they don't have their own pick this year uh, because of all the trades they've made over the years. So the Clippers aren't going to send any picks the Wolves way. Uh, but this is a potential trade partner. If the Clippers were truly interested in D'Angelo Russell, I would jump at this opportunity if I was Tim Connolly in the Wolves front office. I think there's a lot to like about potentially getting Covington and Kennard, who would fit the Wolves kind of positionless mold, uh, if you will, in terms of their offense and their rotation. I, I would absolutely love to get Robert Covington and Luke Kennard on the Timberwolves. Um, so keep an eye on the Clippers. Again, I think it's unlikely, but they keep being brought up, and I like them as a potential trade partner. Okay. Next, I want to talk about number 20 on my Lockdown Wolves big board. We are only four days away now from the draft, so we're going to do that here next. First, let's talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and, of course, Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Plus, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, golf. I'm sure there's NBA draft-related props for this week. Um, and, and again, live betting is a ton of fun. If you're into the Stanley Cup playoffs and all the Stanley Cup final for the NHL, um, and of course, MLB um, as well. So you can head to the website today. You can use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts. All right, let's go ahead and get into number 20 on my big board. I'm going to quick cruise through the top 19. And then later this week, I'm going to spend a couple of episodes, likely Wednesday and Thursday, kind of reordering the big board and focusing in on highlighted players. I'm not going to spend like a segment on every player like I have so far. I'm going to spend a segment. Uh, I'm going to revisit a couple of guys that I like as trade up, uh, stand pat or potential trade back targets or guys that could fall on the board because there's five to seven guys that I really like as targets for the Wolves. Some are not going to be attainable because you'd have to get into the top 10, but Maybe if they fall a little bit and the Wolves are willing to come up a little bit on the board, there's some of those guys we could highlight. But right now, as of as of the Monday of draft week, my NBA, my I should say my Lockdown Wolves big board is Jabari Smith, number one, Chet Holmgren, number two. Again, this is if the Wolves are drafting at these slots who I would pick if I were running the Wolves. They're obviously not going to get Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, but this is how I'd order them in, in, in terms of the Wolves' needs and the fit, potential fit. Jabari Smith, one, Chet Holmgren, two, Paolo Bancaro, three, 
Uh, Keegan Murray out of Iowa, four. Shaden Sharp, five. Jaden Ivey from Purdue, six. Benedict Matherin, spoiler, I'm going to talk more about him later this week. I love him as a trade-up target. He's just a big wing from Arizona. Um, and again, I've talked about all these guys. I spent a full segment on each of these players if you go back through the last week or so of shows. Uh, but Matherin's number seven on my board. AJ Griffin out of Duke, number eight. Jeremy Sohan is nine. Ochai Agbaji at 10, Malachi Branham at 11, Dyson Daniels, or excuse me, Tari Eason at 12 out of LSU, Dyson Daniels is 13, uh, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, 14, Jalen Duran is 15, Usmani Jang is 16, EJ Liddell is 17 out of Ohio State, Jalen Williams, number 18, and Dalen Terry from Arizona, 19. Today, number 20, a player that I've had some people on Twitter asking why I haven't talked about him before to this point on the show. And that's Mark Williams, the center out of Duke. And he's a true big, a true modern center, I should say. A legit seven feet with a massive seven, seven wingspan, just a giant human being. And he's the the prototype for today's rim running, uh, you know, play multiple different pick and roll coverages, rim running big with athleticism. And again, just superior length to, to most other players in this draft. He's a fantastic shot blocker, an awesome rebounder, uh, and, and for all those reasons, he would actually be a great fit in the Timberwolves scheme. However, I've talked about this before. The reason why I haven't gotten to any true centers, any any like bigs that, that are fives, right? Any players that are essentially fives and aren't going to play the four. Um, we've talked about some guys who are threes and fours that could play some small ball five. But true centers I've stayed away from because the upside is so limited for the Timberwolves to take a center in the first round of this draft. Carl Anthony Towns plays 30, 32 minutes a game in the playoffs. He's going to play 36 minutes a game. I know he gets into foul trouble. But those are games where you're in trouble anyway, and you're not replicating what Towns does with Mark Williams. You're just not. We'll get to his strengths and weaknesses here in a second. But the thinking here, why, and and again, Mark Williams is likely going to go in the top 15. I don't think he gets past Charlotte at 15. I think the Hornets, they like him. Uh, they, they want a big at least, and he's likely the highest rated big on everybody's board. Um, five, I should say. I'm using kind of big and, and five a little interchangeably. But when I say that, I mean somebody who is a center. He's not a four. He's a five because of his limited range offensively in terms of his shot. I just don't think that the the upside is there for the Wolves to pick a guy who's going to play 12 max maximum, 16 minutes a game uh, for the Timberwolves. And he doesn't have range on his shot. He's not like Nas Reed where you can run some of the same stuff and put him on the perimeter. That's not going to work for the Wolves. That said, at 16 minutes a game, 14, 12 minutes a game, he'd be awesome to have behind Carl Anthony Towns. He could bring the rebounding shot blocking that Cat does not. And also that Nas Reed, frankly, doesn't either. Nas is a good shot blocker, um, but he's not a very good rebounder as far as centers go. He's a little undersized. Mark Williams is not undersized, which is why if he's somehow there at 19, I think you have to take a look. I don't think he will be. And I don't, again, love the fit because of the limitations on how many minutes you're going to play him. Um, all that to say, in terms of Mark Williams' strengths and weaknesses, he's dynamic in drop coverage, a fantastic drop defender. The Wolves don't play much drop. Towards the end of the year, they were playing a little bit of it here and there, depending on matchups. And I think you have to have that in your arsenal as an NBA team. But we also know that's a weakness of Carl Anthony Towns. And so the Wolves don't play a ton of drop because finally they've adjusted to their personnel. And, and by that, I mean Chris Finch and, and his current regime, right? The current coaching staff versus the previous, the Ryan Saunders and David Vanterpool regime that would not adjust to, to town strengths and weaknesses. But this current regime, they don't play a lot of drop. So it's great that he can do it, but he's not as, I don't think he's as switchable as cat. Now he's got athleticism. He's got size and length. I think he can be reasonably switchable at the NBA level, but you're not going to switch a ton. He might be good. And I, I think he'd be good in a blitz type coverage, which is mostly what the wolves ran. Again, they only ran blitz high wall coverage early in the season. 
As the year went on, the Wolves mixed in some drop. They mixed in a little bit more switching. Finch prefers to play high wall pick and roll coverage. And I think Mark Williams would be good at that. When he gets into the paint or when guards get into the paint matched up against him, he does a pretty good job at taking good angles. He's a very smart defender. He mostly stays down on pump fakes, although there could be some issues with foul trouble. There usually are with young bigs at the NBA level and and guys of his size uh, and the way that officials officiate rookies, quite frankly. But for the most part, he seems to be really intelligent with the angles he takes and his ability to stay down on pump fakes from opposing guards. He's an extremely good offensive rebounder, a very good defensive rebounder, both areas the Wolves struggled at down the stretch last year, especially def- throughout the year, they struggled on the defensive end of the f- uh, uh, defensive end of the floor on the glass. Although the offensive rebounding was pretty good for parts of the year, um, my concerns with Mark Williams is he doesn't have much in terms of passing ability. If you watch what he did last year at Duke, if he was at the elbows or on the perimeter, the ball would too frequently get stolen from him. He didn't do a great job of, of finding cutters, anything like that. You're not going to be operating offense through him which is okay. I mean, again, he's going to be a backup center, but I mean, Nas is right now a better passer than Mark Williams and the Wolves offense, Chris Finch's offense. There's a, everybody's got to be able to pass a little bit. I mean, even Jared Vanderbilt is a pretty good passer when he's in a situation when he's got to pass, right? The Wolves need to have five guys who can pass and Mark Williams right now, I don't think has the passing ability uh, of an NBA big at this point. Um, I think he's going to be stuck as a limited offensive five, a really good rim runner, great in transition in that regard, a very good pick and roll player. I think he'd be good in the dunker spot, kind of the Jared Vanderbilt role in offense. I think to be clear, he's got a higher ceiling than Vando, obviously, and and especially offensively. Um, But if the Wolves were to end up with Mark Williams, you'd have to shift Carl Anthony Towns to the four a good chunk of the time. And then you're kind of losing that advantage uh, that you had with Cat at the five because Mark Williams doesn't stretch the floor. I mean, he's got good touch around the rim, he shot like less than 12 jumpers all year. I think last year, the form looks good on those jumpers. So, I mean, perhaps he turns into more of a stretch big, but right now that's not his game. And so I'd have some concerns with that as well. I just think he's a little bit too limited. The Timberwolves need athletes. They need they do need rim protectors. They do need guys who are switchable. Uh, they need multi-positional defenders. I worry about, again, the upside here of using a draft asset, the 19th pick, or, or in the case of Mark Williams, they'd likely need to trade up to get a guy like this where the fit with Carl Anthony Towns is far from perfect. That concerns me. Um, so the only way he makes sense is if he falls to 19, some of these other guys are off the board, or if the Wolves front office has concerns about some of these other guys. But I think you can achieve a lot of the same stuff just from a more a more positionally versatile player with some of these other guys. I mean, EJ Liddell is a very different player, but he's somebody who can play the four, be a good defender, you know, uh, make good rotations, be switchable. I certainly feel that way about Jalen Duran. I, 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 he's 6'11 with the 7'5 wingspan. He's not that much smaller than, than Williams. I like his fit a lot better too. I had him much higher on my board. I had him at 15. I have Williams at 20. So yes, I think he would be good if Carl Anthony Towns wasn't on the team and you needed a big to play with Anthony Edwards. Yeah, Mark Williams would be great. But you have Carl Anthony Towns. You're about to give him a Supermax extension. I think you're really limiting yourself if you're taking Mark Williams, and certainly if you ended up needing to move up to get a Mark Williams. Um, so that's my take on him. I do want to do one more show, and that'll be Tuesday's show, and get to a couple more players that I think are important to rank who should be on the board around 19, some players that have been mocked to the Wolves in various places uh, that I still have below Mark Williams. But again, I think we need to talk about uh, because because there's always a chance. They end up in Minnesota. There's a chance the Timberwolves trade back. So we'll do one more big board show, and then we'll spend the final two shows this week breaking down the big board to this point and also reordering a bit and highlighting the players that I think are the best fits that I would I would say trade up, stand pat, and take these guys at 19 if they're there, or potential trade-back targets for Minnesota. So we're going to do that here later this week. 
Let's close the show today by looking at NBA future NBA power rankings over at ESPN. They went ahead and, and did those in the wake of the finals ending last week. So I want to take a peek at where the Timberwolves are. And if I agree with where ESPN, ESPN has the Wolves, we're going to do that here next. All right, so the NBA Finals finished up late last week, and ESPN always does their, their I, sh I say future power rankings. It's not actually future power rankings. It's the way too early edition of their regular power rankings, right? So they do one during finals, the finals. They do one, I think, after the draft, and they do one following free agency in late July, early August, and then kind of don't touch it again until preseason. So like last year, I think the Wolves were like 28 or something crazy, uh, 27, 26, something like that at this stage. The Wolves are a lot higher this year. And remember, they were the seventh seed and lost in the first round. So, like, I mean, you you take it by that. You, you assume there's like, you know, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 teams that would be the same or ahead of them given where they finished last year. But there seems to be this kind of sense that there's a lot of upside to the Wolves. And a lot of that's because of Anthony Edwards. His his uh, national star is rising, certainly. Obviously, he was in the, the Adam Sandler movie recently. People are still talking about Ant. He released a workout video over the weekend. He's the type of guy where, uh, I think we talked about this, I think it was on Lockdown when I did the crossover with Lockdown Clippers heading into the play-in game, uh, where one of those hosts said, hey, if Ant played in Los Angeles, or maybe it was, I think it might have been the All-Star break crossover that we did. Uh, if he played in Los Angeles, he'd be the biggest star in basketball because that's the personality, that's the upside, that's the uh, the the, uh, the scintillating athleticism that he brings to the floor. Um and he's a lot of the reason, I think, why the Timberwolves are thought of so highly nationally. And, and I was pleasantly surprised with how high ESPN has them in their power rankings. Um, ESPN has the Timberwolves at number 12 in their power rankings out of, of course, 30 teams. Teams that they're behind, they're right behind Philadelphia at 11, uh, which I understand why they're at 11. Obviously, the close to the season last year is really disappointing for them. There's a lot of question marks surrounding Philadelphia. Probably not as many as there are with the Brooklyn Nets, who are number 10. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. He's likely going to pick up the player option, but we don't know yet for sure. There's, of course, the Ben Simmons thing. Is he going to recover from back surgery? Will he be on the floor? Will they try and flip him in a trade? Always possible the Wolves get involved in that sort of a conversation. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But Brooklyn's really mismanaged their roster, in my opinion. Um, but clearly, a team that's got Kevin Durant and also two other all-stars in Irving and Simmons on the roster, can't really count them out. So I understand why they're 10th. The Denver Nuggets are up at ninth, which is a little surprising to me. I know that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are going to be back. They've got the two-time MVP, back-to-back -back MVP, and Nikola Jokic. But, I mean, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., uh, Jamal Murray hasn't played in a couple of years. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played since, like, November. Uh, so there's going to be a bit of a, a ramp-up. Uh, and and I, I would caution, we'll talk, obviously, plenty of time to talk about this, but I think in the fall, Denver might get off to a slow start, but they're going to end up, kind of roaring back, I think, over the course of the season as Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. get more acclimated to playing NBA basketball again. The Clippers are up at eight, which again, that kind of surprises me too. Obviously, healthy Kawhi, healthy Paul George. We talked about that. They now have Norman Powell for an entire season. Um, I, we'll see. I, when fully healthy with a very good coach in Ty Lue, I do think they're a top 10 team, but putting them eighth right now is a little bit surprising. The top seven are hard to argue with in some order. It's Phoenix at seven, Miami at six, Dallas at five, Memphis all the way up at four, Milwaukee at three, the Celtics at two, and of course the Warriors at one. Teams right behind the Wolves, the Bulls are up at 13, which seems a little high. The Jazz are at 14, which seems a little high. Toronto's at 15, which frankly seems a little bit low given the quality of their coaching staff. Uh, Pascal Siakam playing much better. Scotty Barnes being rookie of the year. I mean, 
I think I would probably put the Raptors ahead of the Jazz and the Bulls, frankly. Uh, the Pelicans at 16, the Lakers at 17, and then you get down into some teams that it isn't really surprising where they're at. So I think 12 is about right for the Wolves. I'd maybe put them a spot higher, um, but it's also hard to justify them being ahead of Philadelphia and ahead of Brooklyn. So I understand why they're at 12. Um, and it's also hard to put them ahead of Denver, right? Given Denver finished ahead of them last year and they're getting Porter Jr. and uh, Jamal Murray back too. So if you put the Wolves, the Wolves anywhere in that 11 to 14 range, that feels about right. Carl Anthony Towns is very likely going to get the Supermax here soon. Um, now that we do know he was third-team All-NBA. Anthony Edwards, of course, entering year three. Who knows what happens with D'Angelo Russell. It'd be really interesting to see what potential trades look like on draft night this coming Thursday. So a lot to look forward to this week. If anything breaks, of course, we'll be on it throughout the week if there are any Timberwolves-related trades. Otherwise, look forward to some more big board talk on Tuesday a final version of the big board and breakdowns of specific players that I would highlight heading into the draft on Thursday night on Wednesday and Thursday. And then the live locked on show Thursday evening, a live locked on wolves podcast late Thursday night following the draft. Um, and likely I'll wait until after the second round picks because I mean, Tim Connolly has been known to, to make some noise with second round picks. So I think we'll wait until after those on Thursday for that show. And that will also be Friday's episode as well. So a packed week, looking forward to it. Um, a big thank you once again for those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. It's greatly appreciated. Of course, you can find the show anywhere. That includes YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. We'll be active on Twitter throughout the draft on Thursday as well. So be sure you're following both of those accounts. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A reminder about the Lockdown NBA Mock Draft. The first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft were posted on Thursday. You can search now for the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, the draft experts of Locked on NBA Big Board, and... Yours truly. I believe the episode with my selection for the Wolves at number 19 will be coming on Tuesday. So that's tomorrow. Uh, and find out who I picked for the Wolves at 19 in this draft. Again, this is every host of Lockdown NBA shows drafting in order. There were a couple of trades. I stayed at 19. Spoiler there. Uh, but you'll find out who I picked, a player that I'm very high on uh, in that episode on Tuesday. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is now about halfway through. It's, it's well underway, so be sure to check that out. Make the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen today. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.